This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Please enjoy the following pre-recorded encore presentation of Equipped with Chris Brooks. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so thrilled that you've joined me today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Well, I want to welcome you. I'm so fired up about the opportunity we have today and really throughout this entire month to be able to talk about the things that are most important to the heart of God, I believe, but also to our lives. You know, February is a month that is really about relationships. It gives us the opportunity to talk about relationships, to process through what we believe the Bible teaches about relationships, and also engage in conversations with our children and grandchildren about this all-important topic. There's so much in this month that we're going to uh, process through together, from Lent to uh, Valentine's Day and so much more. But I want to really spend uh, the bulk of our time this month really focused in on asking a big question. I've been thinking about this question lately, and I would really love your input on this question, and that is, how would Jesus approach Valentine's Day? Is Je- If Jesus was, uh, yeah, his earthly ministry alive and well in our present culture, How would Jesus approach Valentine's Day? Now, I know that that is a prickly question. I know that's a dangerous question because it's going to arouse some folks who are on one end of the spectrum who would say he would totally ignore it and totally blow it off as a commercial holiday, no need to even invest thought and energy in Chris Brooks. That's a really bad question to even ask. Then there's those on the other end of the spectrum who say that he would embrace it, he would celebrate it, he would use it somehow for uh, redemptive good. But but I really think that it, it really sets the stage for an even deeper question. The question of how would Jesus approach Valentine's Day really sets the stage for a deeper question, and that is, how would Jesus assess our current conversations about relationships and love? When you think about the way that we as Christians talk about relationships and love, how would Jesus assess that? I think that's a a really important question. I was having a conversation with my middle school son recently, and we happened to bring up those old bracelets, the WWJD bracelets. You remember those, don't you? What would Jesus do? And I think that's an important question. And when we think about it in terms of our current conversations about relationships and love, what would Jesus say? What would he do? How would he approach those those topics? I'd love to hear your thought about that. A phone number to get your copy of the book is 888-644-4144. By the way, you can support the program there, 888 888- 
844-644-4144 or go to our website, equipradio.org. How would Jesus feel about Valentine's Day? How would he approach our conversations about relationships and love? Now, I do want you to know, all month long, you've been hearing me talk about this wonderful book, No Greater Love. And it's a book about biblical friendship. It's a biblical vision for friendship. It's one of the best books on this topic, and it's by our good friend, Rebecca McLaughlin. And I'm going to talk to Rebecca about this book. And I'd love for you to chime into this conversation, but there's three messages that I get from Scripture. And uh, maybe you'll agree with these, maybe you'll push back a little bit, but there's three messages I get from Scripture that I believe really would shape Jesus's conversation with us about relationships and love. I think three cautions, if you will. The first caution comes from the Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse number 4. And the Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse number 4 says this, don't awaken love before it's time. Don't awaken love before it desires or before it's time. And I think that one of the things that Jesus would caution us about, in particular our children, but our broader culture is be careful of how early you're awakening and arousing romantic love. There is a place for romantic love. Don't get me wrong. I am married. I've been happily married for over 25 years now in our 26 year of marriage, I think there is a a strong place for romantic love. But I think that we arouse that, we awaken that in our culture way too early and way too soon. And I love this Song of Solomon. As As a matter of fact, just as an aside, you may or may not have known this, but in Jewish culture, in particular ancient Jewish culture, the Song of Solomon was a book that a lot of homes would not allow to be read in their homes until uh, a boy or girl reached the age of 18 or until they were perceived to reach adulthood. And so this thought that, man, we need to be careful about awakening romantic love. Just think about it. Even in our cartoons, I was watching a cartoon with one of my sons recently, my younger son, and in the cartoon, Uh, innocently enough, but they're talking about boyfriend-girlfriend relationships. And I'm sitting here looking at my 10-year-old thinking to myself, he doesn't need to be thinking in this context right now. Which leads me to my second bit of advice that I think Jesus would give us. And this this comes from John 15 and 13. And I want to spend some thought, some real thought around this. And that is don't underestimate friendship love. The Bible says in John 15, 13, no greater love has a man than this than to lay down his life for a friend. Man, if we could ever grasp that and wrap our minds around that, we would invest more time into preparing our hearts for being better friends than we do. We would spend more time with our children asking them, what type of friend are you and how can I help you to become the best friend you can be? So I think Jesus would say, hey, be careful about awakening romantic love. I think he would secondly say, don't underestimate the value of friendship love. But then the third thing I think he would say to us is prioritize your loves. 
make sure you have the right priorities around the loves that you have in your life. You, you're going to love multiple things. You, you're going to have a love for many different things, but make sure you have the right priority. And uh, Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40, you remember that great conversation. The scribe comes to Jesus and says, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus responds and says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. Then love your neighbor as yourself. Notice the priority. Love God first. And then from that, you can love people well. And that's my thoughts. I'd love to hear your thoughts. How do you think Jesus would assess our current conversations about relationships and love? How do you think Jesus would approach Valentine's Day. Maybe you've never given thought to that. I'd love to hear your thoughts about that today. I'd also love to pray for you. Maybe you've been heartbroken. Maybe you know what it's like to go through deep, deep um, disappointment and heartache over relationships. Maybe even the ending of a friendship. I want to pray today for healing for your heart and for God to uh, minister his grace to you. The phone number to get your copy of the book is 888-644-4144. By the way, you can support the program there, 888-644-4144, or go to our website, equipradio.org. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, the author of the book, No Greater Love, A Biblical Vision for Friendship, will be with me talking about Rebecca McLaughlin. Always a great day when she stops by. Going to welcome your calls as well, 877-548-3675. Don't turn that down. We'll be right back with more of Equip right after this. Good friendships are a blessing. Jesus even said there is no greater love than the sacrificial love between friends. He knows we need each other, but how do we build these powerful relationships? Rebecca McLaughlin has written a guide to help us start, and I highly recommend it. It's called No Greater Love, A Biblical Vision for Friendship. You can have a copy when you support Equip this month. Simply call 888-644-4144 or visit EquipRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. You know you struck a chord when the phone lines light up, and certainly uh, there are many of you that are calling in. I posed the question, how would Jesus approach Valentine's Day? And really, that question sets up an even deeper question, and that is, how would Jesus assess our current conversations about relationships and love? And I have kind of laid out three things I think he would say. Uh, certainly Solomon, Song of Solomon 8 and 4, don't awaken or arouse love before it's time. I think there's something to be said about that. Don't awaken romantic love before it's time. I think we do that. We're in danger of that. Secondly, don't underestimate friendship love. That's John 15, 13. Then thirdly, prioritize your loves. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. But I want to really just camp out for a few moments, if we could, and talk about not underestimating friendship love. And I'm really grateful to have with me the author of a book that we're making available 
for all of our listeners, a gift of any amount to the ministry this month, we're going to send you No Greater Love, a biblical vision for friendship. And I think it's one of the most important books we've ever promoted on this program because I think it's a neglected topic. Uh, The phone number to get your copy of the book is 888-644-4144. By the way, you can support the program there, 888-644-4144, or go to our website, equipradio.org. Rebecca McLaughlin joins me uh, now. You guys know Rebecca. She holds a Ph.D. in literature, Renaissance literature from Cambridge University. She has a theology degree from Oak Hill College in London. She's been a frequent guest on the program, author of many books, such as Confronting Christianity, as well as The Secular Creed, Is Christmas Believable, as well as her newest, No Greater Love. Rebecca, how are you? I'm so well, Chris. It's good to have you on. So why a book about friendship? You've written about a lot of cultural issues with a theological lens. Why a book on friendship? Do you know, the further I've gone on in the Christian life and the more that I've read the New Testament, the more convinced I am that we are neglecting to our own like loss as well as anybody else's what the Bible calls Christians to in terms of brotherly and sisterly love. You know, in our culture generally, but honestly also in our church culture, we have such a focus on romantic love and on marriage and, and you know, there's wonderful things. Uh, we have a, a strong focus on parents and, and ch- loving their children. Also a wonderful yeah. thing. Yeah. But if you read through the New Testament, you'll find that you won't find that we're commanded to get married. You won't find that we're commanded to have, have children. You will find that we are commanded to love one another mm. like Jesus loves us. Yeah. And, and the fact that we've kind of glossed over that or, or missed that and, and collapsed all real love down into those you know, two categories of, of um, kind of marriage or, or romantic love and, and parent-child love. We're, we're missing a whole lot. Um, and like I say, it's it's disobedience. And as with any disobedience to the Lord, it actually is, is really bad for us. We're really missing out here. Is part of your uh, uh, book and its timing a response as well to the need of a generation to learn the art of friendship making. It seems like in particular post-COVID where there was so much social isolation that Mm -hmm. a lot of the broader culture needs to relearn just the art of friendship making. What does your your book really say in light of that? Yeah, I'll answer that with a little bit of a story, actually. So um, back in September, a, a dear young woman um, showed up at our church, uh, ready to repent and believe in Jesus. You know, having come from raised in a completely non-Christian context, um, had honestly tried everything, every kind of relationship with men, with women, um, tried drugs, tried all, tried all the things. <laughs> Um, and she, after a process over several years of um, hearing the gospel, of, of reading books, of listening to podcasts, she just got to the point of thinking, do you know what? I think maybe Jesus is actually the answer. And uh, a couple of weeks after joining our, our church family, she came up to me. She said, I, I've just realized you guys have to love me. <laughs> she said, <laughs> I, could, I could go and join any other group in, in, in this city and they could get to know me and then decide, you know what, you're too weird or you, you know, whatever. Like they could decide that they didn't want me anymore. But she said, you guys, you don't have that option. You have to love me. And she's a young woman um, 
24 years old, uh, certainly, you know, COVID was a, a massive um, piece of her experience of the last few years, as, um, as, as for many people, um, absolutely someone who tried all sorts of sort of sexual romantic relationships and had really, in many ways, pulled back on, on friendship. And then for her in the last few months to just see the goodness yeah, of the yeah. love that we, if we're followers of Jesus, can experience with one another, <clears throat> regardless of whether we're married or single, regardless of whether we're parents or children, regardless of our age or stage or whatever, the fact that we can put our arms around each other, laugh together, cry together, hear each other's stories, um, pray alongside each other, challenge each other, like all the things is just such a, a rich and beautiful part of, of the Christian life. And it's, it's lovely seeing a completely new believer sort of experiencing that for the first time and the goodness of it. You know, my heart yearns, Rebecca, for the church to be seen as a place where friendship love is on full display to be known well for that. And it seems to me that if we're going to be known well for that, that we have to start by taking it seriously. And your book helps us to begin to take it seriously. I want to go to the phone lines, but before I do, I'll pose you the question. And maybe you've not thought about it. Certainly it's an appropriate question for this month. And that is, how do you think Jesus would approach Valentine's Day, our conversations about it? One of the the shocking things that Jesus said um, was that anyone who doesn't hate his father or mother or brother or sister or husband or wife, like all the kind of family relationships that that we think of, um, is not worthy of being his follower. And one, I mean, that's it's it's intentionally very shocking, and it's one of the ways in which Jesus is pointing out to us the fact that actually his love is the thing. It is the central thing. It is the thing around which our entire lives need to orbit. Now, the, the, the paradoxical truth is the more we love Jesus, actually, the more we'll love those around us. But the way that we, um, as I say, in broader culture, but also, honestly, in the church, the way that we have made um, sexual and romantic love, like the, the center of everything to where we raise children to sort of believe, like, if you don't find your person and your soulmate and get married and blah, 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 like then you've missed out on, yes. on the thing. But that, <laughs> yeah. That's actually, I mean, in biblical times, that's actually idolatry yes. because the one relationship you cannot afford to miss out on is actually a relationship with Jesus. And mm. whether you're married or single, I mean, Paul, who, who had such a high view of marriage that he said it was like a picture of Jesus's love for his people. That's what it's designed to be. He said, singleness is even better. Now, how could he say that? Well, because his whole life was oriented around the love of Jesus and sharing that with brothers and with, with sisters. Um, so, yeah, I think we, I think the, the Bible's critique of, of some of our approaches when it comes to something like Valentine's day would be like, we've, we've made a good thing into an idol. We've, we've put it at the center when Jesus is really meant to be at the center. Let's go to Candace. Who's listening in Illinois. Hey, Candace, thank you so much for calling Equip and for listening. What's your comment? Hi, thank you for talking about this. And of course, this month is so appropriate, but it is so in the world, such a a worldly thing. And it's all about self-centeredness and what I get out of it. And we Mm. know 1 Corinthians love talks about long suffering and no Mm. boasting and not liking evil and going for good. All these things that he wants in our character to share with others. And Mm. we know that love is so important to God because he is love. 
So I think it is so valuable and should be talked about more often, the difference between in the word what love is and in the world what love yeah. is. Mm-hmm. So thank well you said. for talking Yeah, well, well said, Candice. Thank you for giving us a call. I think Candice is on to something. Uh, you know, my assumption when I brought up the question was that there's going to be a lot of folks whose immediate reaction would be to rebuke the whole thing. But I think what Jesus is a master of and what we need to master is to meet culture where they are, but to reframe the conversation in light of the cross. And I think that Candace's comment does a really good job of that. Rebecca, your thoughts on what Candace shared? Yeah, I think she's absolutely right. And and one of the places I think this comes into play, you know, one of many is that uh, a big piece of uh, our cultural conversation is around um, the, the love that two people of the same sex can have for one another. And, and in the sort of culture's uh, understanding, um, two people of the same sex ought to be able to have like the exact same kind of relationship as, as two people of the opposite sex in marriage. And that to say, you know, to, to say that that's not right is actually like hateful, et cetera, et cetera. Um, one of the things I'm increasingly convinced of is that it's not that as Christians, we're saying, no, 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 there can be no love between people of the same sex. It's not that we have kind of a, a shriveled or shrunken or impoverished view of love between believers of the same sex. We actually have a glorious, beautiful, life-giving vision for that, but it's a different vision. It's not the same vision as marriage, but it's not actually a lesser vision because Jesus, the night that he was betrayed, said, this is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has known than this that he laid down his life for his friends. And and if we are to engage our our culture's questions and needs and, and, and challenges, we need to recover deep abiding love between brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, we, we don't have less love to give than the world. We actually have more, but we need to live into that. Yeah. And this really, for singles who are listening, this really challenges the presupposition that you cannot live a fully satisfied life in Christ apart mm-hmm. from marriage or romantic love, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But so often in churches, I think we kind of we might think that we're not communicating that to our single brothers and sisters, but actually we are <laughs> like, we, yeah. we might not say it out loud explicitly, but like implicitly it's, you know, if you're single in your twenties, like, okay, you know, once you're in your thirties or your forties, it's just increasingly kind of like many people feel that there's just no space for them. But, that you know, this church is oriented around families. People will say, well, in new Testament terms, the family is the local church. It's not, you know, me and my yeah. husband and our three kids is actually our whole redeemed community of brothers and sisters together and we need to live like that's true for all our sakes so it sounds to me rebecca that part of what's the going to be the challenge around all of this is that there's some repenting that has to take place within the church is that right yes yes uh, but the, the the glorious thing about repentance is is you know of course first and foremost that we we can count on the lord's forgiveness uh, and secondly, yes. that when we repent and turn back to what the Bible is actually calling us to, it's always better. It's never less than we had before. That's it's actually good. always more. And if, and if we're willing to repent of some of the ways in which we've idolized marriage and fa- like kind of the nuclear family and Christian circles. And, and those, to be clear again, those are very good things of which the Bible speaks very highly, but they are not ultimate things. And we've yeah. got everything kind of uh, awry in our that. understanding. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I think that's really, really good. Friends, I want to go back to the phone lines. Roberto from Florida, really quickly. Roberto, I wanted to get you in. I got about a minute, but I wanted to take your call. What's your comment or question, Roberto? Well, yes, it's not a comment. It's more like a question. Um, I am a believer. I attend in church, and I'm not a child person. But I, to me, um, I, it's, it's been hard. I, ha- I can consider someone as a friend. As a matter of fact, I don't have any friend that I can count. And I say, hey, can we go, like, uh, uh, have a cup of coffee or can we go to the park and just talk to someone like that? You know, I do admire all the stories that people, you know, they uh, they, uh, set some time um, apart so they can go and and, and interact and so on. But in my case, and even in the church, it's been hard. Hard of the book and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, first off, I want to get you a copy of Rebecca's book because I, my heart uh, really feels for you. And I, and I want to say this to you, Roberto, that I think I, I applaud you for your courage to call because I think your call represents the way so many feel mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. friendship making is hard. And as much as Rebecca and I love the church, And as much as my hope would be and Rebecca's hope would be for the church to be a place where friendship making was exemplified and done well. So often when you walk into local churches, it is equally hard or maybe even at times harder. And uh, and that's the hope of this interview, to be able to remind uh, men and women of the importance of friendship love and to give a biblical model and vision for it. So you stay on the line. Our producer is going to get you a copy of the book. I'm going to take a short break, but when I come back, I want to ask Rebecca, why is it so hard? And what can we do within our churches to transform that culture? No greater love, a biblical vision for friendship. Go to our website, equipradio.org. You're listening to a pre-recorded Encore presentation of Equipped with Chris Brooks. Welcome back to Equipped with Chris Brooks. Our question of the day is a hypothetical one. How would Jesus approach Valentine's Day? Put another way, what would Jesus' assessment be of our conversations about relationships and love? We want to help you to navigate those conversations. As always, we want to be a great resource to you. That's why all month long, we're going to sing you with a gift of any amount to the program, the book, No Greater Love, A Biblical Vision for Friendship by Rebecca McLaughlin. I want to encourage you, if you could, to call the number now to support the program, 888-644-4144. I have thought of, in this conversation with Rebecca, three people that are friends that I really want to get this book to. I also want to give this book to my daughter who's getting ready to go to college. And I want to make sure that as a parent, you know, one of the interesting things about parenting a child that's about to go to college is I was talking to a friend of mine who's in the same season. And we were saying about all these lessons that we're thinking about, man, we got to teach them before they launch out. You get this kind of sense of cramming for a test or a final exam or something. Uh, But I do want to make sure that my daughter, before she launches out into young adulthood, has uh, a foundation or vision for friendship love. 
I love what Gail said. Gail is listening, and she posted on Facebook, commented on our Facebook page, we, current, we are currently studying this in our ladies' Bible study. I will share today's interview with the group. Well, thank you, Gail, for sharing the interview. And I hope you also, Gail, share the book that Rebecca wrote because I think it'd be great for your group. As a matter of fact, one of the ways I think Rebecca's book is best used is in a small group study to be able to talk deeply with others about the truths that are within the pages of this great book. No greater love. Go to our website now, equipradio.org, or even easier, better, dial the number 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. Rebecca, before we went to break, Roberto called and said, I'm having a tough time, even within the church, of making friends. I've invited people to the park, invited people to coffee. Why is it so hard, Rebecca, And if you had a room full of church leaders, what advice would you give us to help to make it better? Gosh, so many things to say. I think one is that C.S. Lewis called out our natural human tendency to kind of want to be in the in a ring, like in the in group, you know, to um, you maybe you're going to church and you see. Oh, there's this group of, of mums who seem to get together regularly, and I, I kind of wish I was in that group. Or there these, there's this group of, of businessmen, and I wish that they would notice me, and I could kind of join. Like we'll we'll see uh, friendship groups, and we'll we'll long to be part of them. And one of the things that that I've reflected on over the last several years in the, in the Bible and in my own life is that actually, if we're followers of Jesus, rather than kind of looking to get into the the inner ring, the in-group of whatever, you know, whatever that looks like in, in your community. We actually need to turn ourselves around and and think who here might need a friend? Like who, who's on the fringes in this community? Who, who might be lonely? Who um, could I reach out to and make a real difference to them? So really the, the way that I've kind of phrased it to myself is instead of sitting around thinking, who's going to love me? Think, who can I love? Mm-hmm. And the, the paradox of that, um, again is that if we turn ourselves outward if we look for the people on on the edges that look for the people who may be lonely themselves um and and pursue them we'll end up with more love in our lives than we ever had before and we we won't have the kind of insecurity that comes when you're you're sort of trying to trying to build relationships with people who maybe um do have more friends or are more in the sort of center of things than you i would just encourage everyone that's really listening good. kind of wherever you find yourself to, to look for the people on the outside and invite them in. Yeah. Think about your, your table, your table at breakfast, your table at lunch, your table at dinner and ask yourself who should be sitting at the table, who, who maybe God is calling you to invite to the table. And, uh, you know, I find myself so often thinking about honestly, Rebecca opportunities missed at times for mm-hmm. friendship, you know, friendship interaction. And, uh, and, and there's so many folks around me that um, I can see God really just using the gift of friendship to make a, a true impact, transformational impact on their lives. And I think sometimes we can be intimidated by terms like evangelism or mm-hmm. missions but I, or even discipleship. But I think that one of the ways to make those 
th- those those terms less intimidating and maybe even even more impactful is to think about the art and the call of Christ to friendship making. And what does that look like? And, and I want to ask you this question about keeping the gospel at the center because so much of your book is about having a biblical vision for friendship, not just a secular vision. So if all people walk away with from this conversation is, yeah, friendship is important and we've kind of missed it, put the gospel in the center of it. What makes this book about a biblical vision? One of the metaphors that Paul uses to um, talk about his his own close relationships um, with a couple of, of his closest sort of gospel partners is the, the metaphor of fellow soldiers. And I find that such a helpful um, paradigm example um, image when it comes to thinking about what does it mean to put the gospel at the centre of our friendships if, if we're followers of Jesus. Um, the, the natural tendency is to think, you know, if, if you and I, Chris, want to be friends, then maybe we'll find some common interests and maybe we'll uh, eat some pizza together and play some like ping pong or, you know, some, we'll, we'll do something that's where we're mostly focused on kind of getting to know each other and, and having fun. And nothing, there's nothing wrong about those things. But actually, if you want to really um, have a, a tr- deeply Christian missional closeness friendship with somebody, what you, you need to do instead is to think, okay, we're, we're fellow soldiers together. Um, we are, we're side by side in the battle um, against our own sin to start with. You know, um, we have the opportunity to encourage each other, to like to call each other out in areas. You know, if you're close to somebody, you can actually see where they're struggling with sin and you, you'll know you'll know over time when they need to be encouraged and when they need to be challenged. Like, Hey, I've noticed that you're, you're actually kind of leaning into laziness in, in this area. And like, I, I want to give you a sort of a, a challenge there, or maybe I've noticed that you're, you know, you're struggling with lust. I want to come alongside you and help you kind of dig out of that. Um, there are ways that we can be together fighting against sin. And there are also ways that we can be together when it comes to, to mission, whether it's, um, sharing the gospel in our neighborhood or with, with other friends or whether it's serving the homeless in our, our neighborhood together. There are so many ways in which we Christians are actually called to to serve alongside one another. And so this idea of being a fellow soldier um, with a, with another Christian, I think when we, when we kind of shoulder up together like that and, and go into the hard places together, that's that's where real gospel intimacy and closeness springs up. You know, I think there's so much mission involved in this book and what you really do a great job of, Rebecca, is helping us to understand what is unique about Christian friendship. And I do want to, you talked about um, kind of same gender, if you will, friendships, but talk about the complexities of male-female friendships and what wisdom scripture gives us there. Yeah, there's a chapter in my book, um, which I recall, if I recall, is titled uh, Brothers and Sisters, uh, where I'm looking at both the opportunities and, and potential challenges of friendship between um, men and women, and also at the opportunities and potential challenges of friendship between people of the same sex for those who, who like me, um, sort of primarily are attracted to their same sex. Um, because, you know, I think those are depending on, on what our, our own sort of temptations, our own uh, patterns of attraction are, are likely to be, we'll, we might have difficulties or, or, or um, problems kind of crop up in different kinds of relationships. I, I wanted to sort of um, 
make that chapter something that was applicable to to everyone kind of regardless of, of where they're coming from there mm. and i think clearly in the scriptures um we are called to flee from sexual immorality like not just to sort of hang around on the edges of it not to you know go as far as we can with it but actually to run away so so there's deep wisdom in um f- putting up boundaries in our lives that will mean we're not in situations that are going to um, expose us to temptation or or, or or actually expose somebody else to, to temptation. We need to be mindful not only of our own heart and our own temptations, but also of the person we're, we're interacting with. But the reality is we, we're, all, we're all different. We all um, will have different sins and struggles um, and you know, we'll need to know each other well to know what they are. But the picture that we see in the New Testament is not of men and women kind of never talking to each other, never connecting, never working alongside one another, never, never developing friendship. In fact, we see um, Paul speaking of um, a number of women, including two women in, in his letter to the Philippians, yes. who he describes as being like fellow workers with a, um, a word that was sort of quite an intimate word, like quite a, a people who were sort of uh, gym partners, I guess, would be one, one sort of modern um, way of, of looking at, um, of sort of translating that. And so I think actually um, just having the, you know, such high, high walls up between men and women in the church that we never develop real connection and friendship is actually to everybody's detriment. Instead, we need yes. to be relating to one another as brothers and sisters and figuring out what the right boundaries are, which may not be the same, you know, for, for everybody. So famously, people sometimes talk about the, the Billy Graham rule, you know, one of the principles that, that the famous evangelist Billy Graham put in sure. place was that he would never be alone with a woman who wasn't his wife. And I think actually for his particular circumstances, um, I think that's probably a very wise rule. And there might be, there might well be men and women whom that self-same rule is very wise for them. I don't think it's necessarily the, the case for everybody. Um, I, so I think we need to, we need to exercise discernment and figure out in any relationship, what does love look like? What does it look yes. like for me to love this person um, yeah. and, and to make sure that we are relating to one another as brothers and sisters rather than in any other way? The more we talk, the more I feel like this book has the potential of really revolutionizing. I know that's a powerful word and I don't uh, want to be overdramatic, but I really do think that it has the power to revolutionize the way we go about relationships. And I think for some who are listening to this conversation, maybe for the first time you're forming or thinking about a theology of relationships, a theology of friendships, and that's exactly what my hope is. And uh, that's why I want to encourage you to get a copy of Rebecca's book, No Greater Love, A Gift of Any Amount. We'll send it out to you. All you have to do is dial the number 888-644-4144, just like Royal did from Florida. I love that. Thank you, Royal, for your support for the program. Many of you need this in your life and your family, and I want to encourage you towards it. Rebecca, I want to ask one more question of you, and then we're going to take phone calls from those who are calling in. But what's your hope? What's your hope for those who pick up and read No Greater Love, either for themselves or with their group? There is so much joy to be had in Christian fellowship. And I think we miss out on so much of it. Um, my hope is that people who read the book would be encouraged to 
step out and try again when they feel like as, as I share in, in the book some of my own experiences of like massively failing in friendship and um, you know things going wrong and it, it's so easy to just come out of an experience like that and only want to self-protect and think oh, and I'm never gonna never gonna kind of share my heart with a friend again because I might get hurt you know the fact is yes you might get hurt you might hurt other people we're sinful humans and that's just part of the reality we live with but there's also so much goodness and joy um, to be found in in deep Christian friendship. And there's so much um, uh, of the beauty of the gospel on display when brothers and sisters uh, live together well um, in community, um, whether that's sort of literally living in the same houses or being in and out of each other's lives. Yes. Yes. There is so much opportunity to invite non-believers into that. And, you know, Jesus yes. said, people will know that we're his disciples because of how we love one another. Like, is that true of us? And if it's not, let's, let's get busy making it true because there's so much joy to be found there. There's so much goodness and best of all, Jesus is at the center. Well said, maybe you've given up on friendships because you've been hurt. Maybe you're having a hard time forming them. Maybe for the first time you're thinking about them biblically. I want you to get a copy of Rebecca's book, No Greater Love. Go to our website right now equipradio.org. We'll be right back. Biblical friendships are vital if we're going to grow in Christ. These friendships support us when we're down, spur us on to follow Jesus, and teach us to love each other like our Savior loves us. I want to send you a resource to help you to grow your own biblical friendships. It's by Rebecca McLaughlin. The book is called No Greater Love. Request it when you support Equip today at 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Your generosity makes all the difference. And I want to say thanks to Majesty from Florida who just gave the gift to Equip. So grateful for you. Maybe Equip's been a blessing to you. We've encouraged you or maybe the wisdom or resources on the program from our guests have really blessed your life. If we've been an encouragement to you, can you stand with us today? Your gift of $50 or $100 or more makes all the difference. Down the number today. 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. We'll send you a copy of the book, No Greater Love, A Biblical Vision for Friendship. But even more importantly, know that on the other side of your giving, lives are being changed forever and for eternity. Go to our website, equipradio.org. If someone were to ask, what type of friend are you? I wonder how they would rate you. How would you be described? I hope that we take Jesus's words on friendship seriously. And if he was serious, then we need to take the study and the understanding of friendship love even more seriously than maybe we do. That's why I want to get this book into your hands. So dial the number 888-644-4144. Let's go to the phone lines. Tiana has been listening. Thank you for your patience, Tiana. I'm so grateful for you listening. What's your comment? Um, I was going to make a comment in regards to your request, your um, question, yeah. how Jesus would um, view Valentine's Day. And I think that he would encourage us to um, really show love on a daily basis. Um, and he is he was sent to really show us how to love because obviously we didn't know. And so that is something that he really would want us to do daily. 
Um, I also wanted to comment in regards to marriage that, um, you know, regarding friendship, that should be the um, first thing for a married couple that they're friends first. I do believe that Adam and Eve were friends before they were even like intimate. So um, just making God the center of the marriage is very important. And I did want to just ask that you pray for my marriage so that we um, can make um, God, the center of our marriage as well. Yeah, I'll definitely do that. First off, very thoughtful comments, very well said. And I do think there is space for special days. Obviously, I think about, for example, us having special days where we celebrate the birth of Christ or the uh, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I think it's okay to have certain special days, but I also think your point is so important, and that is those special days should be a reminder to us of how we should be living every day. And every day we should look for opportunities to show and share the love of Christ in our relationships. We shouldn't have to wait for a special day. That should be every day of our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Tiana. Thank you for her husband. Thank you for the gift of marriage. I do pray that they would keep Christ at the center of all things. Even more importantly, Lord, I pray that your sustaining grace would keep them, that you would keep them in the palm of your hand, and that you would allow your goodness, grace, and glory to shine through their relationships. May their love reflect you so well that others are drawn to Christ. Strengthen and bless and let your hand of favor be upon them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Tiana. What a great comment, and I appreciate your call. I also want to say thank you to Candice from Evanston, Illinois, who just gave a gift to Equip as well. Your generosity to Equip makes all the difference, and I'm so grateful for it. We want to get a book for Tiana as well, No Greater Love, and part of the reason we want to make sure that you have a copy of Rebecca's book is I believe there's a great opportunity in friendship making. I think the foundation of disciple making is friendship making. If we can learn the art of friendship, then we can learn the art of discipleship and evangelism. I do think that those are deeply connected. But in order to do so, we're gonna have to reject the hyper-individualism of our culture. We're gonna have to reject isolationism. Uh, the type of isolation that comes because we've been hurt or because we're so busy or because we live in a day and age that devalues friendship. If Jesus is serious, then we have to revisit John 15, 13. It commands us, no greater love has a man than this than to lay down his life for a friend. So let's do that. Let's go and make friends. What a great way to celebrate this month. Until we're together again next time, as always, remember Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.